Well, good morning and welcome again to Press Church. My name is Sean Lee and I'm the lead pastor here. For those of you joining us online, welcome. And for those of you who braved these crazy rains, you're here, you're, you look great, well done. Ladies, your hair still looks perfect, so way to go, way to go. Before I go in too far, guys too, your hair looks great too, by the way. You guys too, don't want don't to leave you guys out. Uh, so <laughs> real quick, if you didn't notice or didn't see the email, we've rescheduled our summer party to July 30th. Last Sunday, I was like, hey, you got to be there, you got to be there, and then obviously we rescheduled, so... I, July 30th, if we're doing it, July 30th, put it in your calendars, love to have you there, uh, press summer party, going to have some fun, uh, drinks, food, all that provided, do that. Also, youth tonight, all youth people, youth tonight here, 6, 6 p.m., there you go, all right. <laughs> and then last, obviously, again, school supply drive, we've got the, the bin out there, if you have any questions or anything about that, there's a list there, you can take a picture of the list, so the next time you're at the grocery store or whatever, you can pick up a few items, um, but we would love, we would just love to be able to bless our neighbors and let the teachers know there that we care about them, we support them. All right, God Only Knows, week two, hopefully this last week, uh, you guys were able to read through some Psalms, I encourage you guys to go through Psalm, is it 27, right? Uh, yep, Psalm 27, we were in last week, uh, talking about God Only Knows our fears, working through that of how he knows, he, he understands. Um, you know, it can feel, life can feel lonely. We've talked about that. Like, I think most of us um, get that. Like, we've had times in our life where we feel lonely, we feel like nobody understands. And so, if you didn't get a chance to watch that last week or join us uh, in person, I'd recommend going back and doing that. But this week, uh, God only knows, week two. Uh, who, uh, who's ever... Um, like saved up for something for a long time only to get it and be like super disappointed. Have, have you even like ever saved up for a real long time, got something you like, this is, this is gonna be it, I know it's gonna be, I, I've, this is what I want. And you work and you work and you save and you finally get it and it just, it just doesn't, doesn't meet expectations. Or, or it's even worse, you get it and then the next week like a new version comes out. Have you ever done that? Like you, you save for that new iPhone or whatever, and then like the next one comes out, and you're like, oh, well, now I'm missing out. You know, you got that, you're, just, you're missing out on whatever's new. And life can do that. I, I've, I feel like as I get older, there's things that you thought, you know, it's like once I get to this point, it'll be great. Or once I have this amount in my bank account, once I have, you know, retirement to this point, once I have this type of house or this type of car, once I, you know, find a, a, a spouse, once, whatever it is, you know, we have these things and then we get it and it's like, kind of lets you down, right? It's, it, it, it just doesn't meet expectations. And I feel like it's, it's this like cycle of our life where we, just, we do this over and over again. We, we, we're finding that next, that next hill that we're gonna take and then that's gonna be it. We're gonna be, we're gonna be happy. We're gonna be content, finally. You know, if I just get that one next, we're gonna be content. And, you know, depending on how old you are, depending on how, how much life you've lived, you've probably seen this cycle and you've, you've realized that there's very few things that really bring us true joy. Um, and so as we dig into week two, this will be the main thought. And we have a slide that says that God only knows how we can experience true 
joy. So almost every week, pretty much every week, the pastors, we get together, we hop in the car, and we talk about the sermon for the day. So let's watch this video. We don't think about, I mean, we don't think about joy. If anything, we think joy, we, we equate joy and happiness. What fuels joy? Well, that's the question. <laughs> right. What does fuel joy, Sean? <laughs> Food. <laughs> and see, Golf. therein lies the problem. <laughs> yeah. Everyone goes down those paths and yes. it's a total lie. Yeah. Right. Like that's it's an easy joke, a flippant statement right. of oh yeah, whatever. But yeah, okay, but what but is it really? Living it out, yeah. Right. Okay, joy has absolutely nothing to do with happiness. Yeah, yeah. Nothing to do with happiness right. yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. But happiness is so much easier to find in the short term. Yes, because it is short term. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's simply achievable. Yeah. Joy is not simply right. achievable. Happiness is. Yeah. Well, happiness and pleasure are kind of the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and pleasure, I mean, they can actually measure that. Right. By right. dopamine levels. So yes. you can measure happiness. Right. You can't measure yeah. joy. I get happiness from someone liking the picture that I posted on social media. Right. It's, you're getting a dopamine hit. Yeah. Right. I'm liked. I'm approved. Yes. Boom, happy. Yeah. Right. I'm yeah. just checking boxes of yeah. the things as a human being that I want. <laughs> I want to be approved. Yeah. I want to be... To like to be liked and this is the challenge because the christian life has nothing to do with those short-term pleasures right and yet we think and we have conflated we, these we ideas sell it almost as a yeah. byproduct of our faith right yeah when you are happy you are most loved by god is the ultimate lie Right. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yes. Let's yeah. make sure we yeah. put yeah. that part in there, yes. Sean. <laughs> Wait, I was, I was, I thought we could just go down that path. I thought people would like our messaging more if we just, you know. Okay, Joel. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just want to make people feel good. The, and the challenge is this: uh, the joy is an abstract concept, yeah, right? Yes. That's really what we're saying here. Yeah. I, it, we, you know, we've talked about this before, but like when you look at the Israelites wandering through the desert, God's trying to teach them what joy really is. He's trying to bring them to a place of joyfulness, but he's doing it by really taking away way. all the things that they found comfort in, <laughs> yeah, which was yeah. what? Slavery? Right. You know. But and, security of knowing right. I've got food. But, but they even say that. Like they, yeah. they, they even, even mention that. Like, yeah. why didn't we stay where we knew? It's like the pain yeah. you know versus the pain you don't know. Yeah. Right, right. They're, they're uncomfortable because their regular routines have all been busted up, mm -hmm. right? And they're actually, they, they are lamenting the situation and right. wishing for the days when they were, when right. they were slaves. Yeah. yeah, as though yeah. that was the good old days. Right, right. yeah. Right. And, right. and we do this as Christians. Oh, yeah. Yes. We do this in the church yeah. because it's much deeper and much more nuanced. And the reality is, is God is bringing us to a place where we can actually experience his joy. And it's his joy, right. <laughs> not our version of joy. Yes. And the thing is, is like, yeah. that's not easy. It's hard. Yeah. And it requires taking things out of our life that are not healthy, that are not good for us. And we don't want to see those things go right. away. Right. We love that stuff. Oh yeah, you well, know. Yeah, it's like God only knows. God only knows His joy. But 
he's not he doesn't want to hide it right. he's not trying to keep it from us no. right. we just don't get wanna, in the way yeah, <laughs> right. he's willing to hand it to us again it's the ultimate lie of evil it's that veil that comes in that makes us think that these fleeting moments these pleasurable mm. things yeah. are what will actually bring us joy God's not putting those things in our way, right? right. But we grab onto those things, yeah. and that's what gets in the way of the real joy, the real experience that God has for us. Yeah. Which, you know, uh, it, when you're looking at it through the lens of the lie, seems less, less. It just seems less, right? Less yeah. pleasurable, less, right. you know. And in, right. in some ways, right. it might actually be less pleasurable. You're right. Yeah. yeah, but less, less happiness doesn't necessarily mean less joy. Right, but it's more. There's more goodness. Right. I really want that dopamine shot, though. <laughs> right. Don't we all? It just That's feels good. Give me yeah. the. Give me the ice cream. Give me the extra yeah. food. Give right. me the, the new car. The. Well, I mean, you know, credit card. Swipe the credit card. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Right. And we live in a society. We live in a in, in these modern times where everything is built around that momentary. Fleeting shot of yeah. happiness. Commercialism. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it works for a reason. Right. Yeah, what do you do in the world? The message of our culture is you need more to be happy. Mm. But we follow a God who says you only need me mm-hmm. to find for, for joy. joy. Yeah. yeah, that's good. When it comes to uh, everyday life, I think we're good at saying the right things. Um what we should be doing, right? We're really good at saying what we should be doing. I should be exercising more, should drink more water, should be praying more, reading my Bible more, should, a lot of like, we, we say it a lot, but, um, but what we do actually says a lot more about what we actually believe, what we actually do. Um, you've heard the phrase, put your money where your mouth is. Why do we say that? Because when it actually costs something, then you know it's worth it. You, you know, okay, you actually believe this. Uh, go look at your bank records. What are you spending the most money on? That's what you care about the most. That's what's important to you. And likewise, we, you know, where you search for happiness, those are where you spend your money is, is tied to that. Um, we can say money doesn't buy happiness, but I don't think we believe that. I, we would say, again, we can say all the right things, but yet by our actions, we're, we're kind of calling our own bluff. It's like, well, maybe I'm the one exception that when, I'm, that when I finally get to that point, it will be enough. It'll be good. It'll be what I want. Uh, I've mentioned before, I'm a big car guy. I love cars. I'd, like, I would love a garage full of sports cars, you know, all different. That'd be great. I'd love to eat. I like food. I'm a big foodie. I'd love to eat at restaurants all the time. I like to travel. So if I could just have all these cars, if I could travel whenever I wanted to, if I could eat at whatever restaurant I want, I'd, I'd be happy. It's not much, right? I mean, can I, can I just do that? We, we all have these, like, thoughts or these scenarios of, like, what would be, what be right for us. You know, what, what we would finally, what would finally make us happy, make us okay. And the problem is that, like, what we thought would make us happy rarely does, and it fades fast. Like I used in the illustration, this thing that we've wanted for so long, you know, we, we get it, and it's like, eh. Has everybody, anybody gone on a really long vacation? There's some of you that have a longer tolerance for a long vacation, but like I know people, it's like you go on a vacation, some, you get to a point you're ready to just go home. 
I'm ready to be home. I'm ready to be in my bed. And, you know, so you tell us, oh, we're going to go on a month-long, two-month, year-long vacation, whatever it is. It's like, oh, that sounds amazing. I wish I could just quit my job and go do that. And, you know, a month in, you're like, I kind of just want to chill. Can we just go home and watch Netflix or, you know, can I have a home-cooked meal? You're like, you're like, I love eating out. And all of a sudden, you're like, can I just, I just want, I just want a home-cooked meal. You know, it's, it's amazing, these things that we, like, I mean, granted, they're good. They're fine. There's nothing wrong. I don't want to make it out like these things are bad. But th the problem is we put so much hope in that. Like, that is going to be our source of joy. And so my question for us today is, what do you consider your source of joy? What is your source of joy? What are you hoping or what, what are you putting faith in in your life to bring you joy? Can that joy be taken away? Is it based on you? Is it based on circumstance? Or what, what is it based on? You know, if culture says you find it within yourself, and the Bible says something different than that, something's got to give. Something's got to, you know, something's, one of those is wrong. I mentioned this statement last week um, in my message that, that, that we have to wrestle through our belief in the presence, uh, the belief of God's presence in our lives. Like, we have to really think about, do I believe in the presence of God, of God's presence in my life? Do I believe he's here with me? Do I believe he's around? Do I believe he cares? And I think, you know, this whole series, really any series we do, like I said last week, if you haven't thought through that, you're going to, it's going to limit what you get out of hearing a message, coming to church, being in community. If you aren't willing to be honest with yourself, what do I actually believe? Do I believe God is with me? So if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Psalms again, the, the book of Psalms. We're going to be in chapter 16 this week. And this is a psalm of confidence. If you, if you look at Psalms, a lot of the Psalms have little headers in them. This is a psalm of confidence. And this is David speaking. It says this, therefore my heart is glad, my whole being rejoices, my flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. Uh, somebody asked, what she Sheol is, is basically the place of the dead. So if you didn't know, now you know. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This guy seems confident, joyful. And I would say this, this is, you know, just reading from this, fullness of joy is found in God. Fullness of joy is found in God. In other translations, that fullness, it says abundant, abundant joy, complete joy is found in God. We can maybe experience little hints of joy here and there, but complete, full, abundant joy is found in God. And specifically, David here is saying that that fullness of joy is found in his presence. Here again, I said, if we don't believe in the presence of God in our lives, like if you're questioning the presence of God in your life, and yet the fullness of joy that, that we see here is found in his presence, then, then maybe we're going to have, have a little trouble with, with feeling God in our life or seeing God in our life. Do we believe in his presence? And you can tell that David does. In just this sh 
few verses, you can tell that David believes what he's saying. He believes in this. I mean, you can see in verse 9, his joy leads to a response. He says, therefore, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices, rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For those of you who put your faith in, in Jesus, is this your joyful response in the morning? <laughs> Do you get up saying, ah, oh, my heart is glad. I'm like, can I come back to sleep? It takes me a while to even think about God some mornings, right? I get up, oh, I need to get my coffee. Oh, my kids are yelling. I got to get to work. I got, oh, I went to bed too late. I'm sleepy. Probably drank too much last night. And now, you know, it's like, oh, like whatever it is, like you're probably not getting up in the morning saying, my soul rejoices. Thank you, God, for who you are. What is our joyful response to God? When are we joyfully responding? When you look at Psalms, joy is often associated with a response. Psalm 20, verse 5, may we shout for joy over your salvation. Psalm 35, 27, let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad. Psalm 92, 4, at the works of your hands, I sing for joy. When was the last time you shouted for joy? <laughs> the shoes I wanted are on sale. Yes. Sheets is finally open. And all of Powell rejoices. Ohio State won the game. I remember 2002, sitting in my, my parents' living room with my dad and my brother. You know, overtime, Ohio State. Beats Miami, national champions. Woo! I literally went outside. I opened the door. I ran outside. It was probably midnight. It went so long. It was probably at least midnight, 1230. And I just like, yeah! Like, I'm just yelling. You know? I was probably 15 or something. Who knows? You know, a stupid kid. But have I ever done that over my joy in God's salvation? It seems almost ridiculous. No, I've never responded like that. Has my revelation of God's goodness and love and mercy and, and presence in my life ever had my, my response so strong? And again, I think if we answer it correctly, the answer is no. It hasn't. Maybe we don't believe it enough. Maybe we don't really believe in his presence enough that it's like, well, I mean, I think he's there. But why would I be that, you know, like a football team, I can see what's happening, right? I can see it. They win or they lose. It's pretty straightforward. Maybe, it, maybe some of us would just feel weird, like just randomly be like, woo, I love you, Jesus. You know, imagine doing that at the mall. <laughs> People are going to look at you funny, <laughs> like, oh, one of those. <laughs> you know, they, you might feel weird. Maybe we just haven't let it sink in enough of how good God is. What his presence means to us. We were talking with the pastors early in the week about, about this, you know, the message this week. And CR threw out a definition of joy that I want to share with you. He said this. He said, joy is comprehension of God's love. 
Joy is comprehension of God's love. I think it's, it's, it's a good thought process. Okay. When I, when I truly get God's love, wow. It's like, it's like a revelation. Okay, like if, if you're real, like we, maybe you're a Christian today, maybe you're not, maybe you still don't believe in God, wherever you are today, as a, uh, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I believe that he is present, that he is all-powerful, that he is all-knowing, he is, and that he, you know, Jesus came down, died, rose again, like, and, and he did that so that we could have a right relationship with him, so that, so that my flaws and my failures and my sins and all the things that I, like, that can't keep me from him. That's a big deal. If you believe it, if you really believe it. Do I really believe it? That depends on the day, right? Maybe after like a spiritual high, we're like, oh yeah, God is good. And for that week we feel good and then life hits us. And we're like, is God really there? And if he's there, is he good? And so this joy being a comprehension of God's love, I think is so important. Like, do we comprehend God's love in our life? No matter the circumstance. You know, you read, you read the New Testament, and after Jesus ascends into heaven, you see these believers in Jesus, these apostles, they're going out, they're spreading the word. And it's good at first, like everything's good, but then it starts to get hard. There's persecution, like people are dying because of their faith. And yet, I see these people with like crazy strong faith still having joy. You know, the Apostle Paul, the amount that he went through and talking about, you know, this joy in his life still, like, it just seems, it just seems next level, like, unattainable. Because I know for me, when, when something I'm planning and something I think God's behind doesn't work out, now all of a sudden... I have to deal with that. I have to deal with that pain of like not knowing, God, are you, are you there? Are you good? And so how could, how could these apostles, how, how could they still have joy? How could they still be content in their life and have joy? And I think it's this, is that their source of joy was stronger than their source of pain. Where they found their joy was stronger than any source of pain that they would experience. It speaks to the, the power of the Spirit of God in them. I can be in trial, I can be persecuted, and yet I can still have joy. And for most of us, it's just, it's, it's like there's a disconnect. What? And I can still have joy. In Galatians 5, we read about the fruits of the Spirit. And if you're familiar, you don't have to put that up yet. That'll be coming soon, by the way, that slide. Do we know the fruits of the Spirit? Can we, can we say them? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I actually, I remember it. I didn't have to look at my notes. Fruits of the Spirit, not fruits of my good works, not fruits of my effort, 
not fruits of if I've been good that week, or if I prayed enough, or if I checked all the spiritual boxes, fruits of the Spirit, fruits of His Spirit in our lives. These aren't contingent upon my circumstances. They're not, you know, it's, it's, if I'm in pain and trial, these can still be around and happening. I can have trials and yet still have peace and joy. I can still love. I can still be kind. Does that, does that translate in our lives? It, it, it feels, again, like there's this disconnect. That's, that's, that's like next level stuff. Because I've been, I've been trained to have my, my experiences and what I see and what, what's happening. I've been trained to have those define me and those define my attitude and my happiness and my contentment. And when I read this, I see this other layer that's like beyond me and is relying upon, you know, the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is not hindered by our experiences, our trials, our pains. And so as we see, joy is a byproduct of the presence of God in our lives. His Spirit brings about joy. Going back to the verse in Psalms that we are in today. In him, there is fullness of joy. In him. In his presence. The verse that follows, um, you know, the fruits of the Spirit. And Jason pointed this out as we were talking. So right after the fruits of the Spirit, and this is the verse that I need to, if you want to put that up. This is right after the fruits of the Spirit. It says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's like he's saying, my joy is not based on my fleshly desires and my passions. These things that you see through the Spirit of God, those, are, those don't come from your passions and your desires and, and, and within you. They come from me. They come from my Spirit in you. And we see this played out in Psalm 51. So Psalm 51, um, this is a psalm of David. And this, this psalm, this whole psalm is, and it's, it's in the header if you read it. It says, a psalm of David regarding the time Nathan the prophet came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. So if you know the story of David, he goes, he has commits adultery with Bathsheba, goes on to kill her husband, uh, terrible, terrible things. But this is after, you know, he's been caught basically. In this verse, it says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. He's recognizing, he's seeing that the thing that he thought would bring him satisfaction, the thing that he thought would bring him joy or fulfillment or whatever it may be, didn't. And he's asking God, restore to me your joy, the true joy, the joy of your salvation. And why did it need restored? Because it had been lost from him seeking his own desires and trying to take for him what he thought would bring joy in his life. 
And there's probably a lot of us today, or those of us watching, that need our joy restored. We've worked really hard ourselves to make things happen. And then life happened. And we've been beaten down and our plans didn't work out. And the things that we thought would bring us joy haven't. And we're sitting here wanting, wanting joy. Maybe your plans, you know, worked out perfectly and you're still in the, the dopamine phase of this feels good. And there may be seasons where we get some of that. But we're talking about true joy, fulfilling joy, abundant, complete joy. And if we're saying that it's only found in God, then we must know God. We must seek God. We must ask this of God. We can't find it within ourselves. There's a book called The Deeply Reformed Life by Rich Velotis. And in this book, he references um, a practice that I want to share with us today. Um, but the practice, uh, many of us are probably unfamiliar with, it's called Lectio Divina. And it basically means sacred reading. And it's a practice of, of slowing down and really taking in scripture. And they've got, in this practice, there's four movements to it. And I want to share these movements with, with you. Because I believe, here, here's what, if, if we're coming full circle with this, the presence of God is fullness of joy. God is our source of true joy. I want joy. I want to be a joyful person. And I don't want that to be hindered upon, or I don't want that to be uh, only when things are going well. Only when things are going great for me. Because, again, we know that's not how life works. And so if that's the case, we need to seek God. We need to seek him. And what better way than to read scripture? So these are four movements I want to share and encourage you. Then, you know, this week, this year, whatever it may be, these are just some practices that we can go through to seek God and move closer. The first movement is this. It's, it's reading. And it's asking the question, Lord, what does it say? So when you're reading, find a section of scripture and just take a breath, read it slowly, and as you're reading, ask, Lord, what does it say? What is this saying to me? Be attentive. Don't skim. Be attentive. So that's the first one, reading. The second one is meditation. And the question here is, Lord, what are you saying to me? So if the first one says, what does it say? The second one, as we are meditating, Lord, what is this, what are you saying to me? And in the, in the book, he uses this imagery of a dog chewing a bone. You ever seen a dog chewing? I mean, it's just like they're just gnawing on it, right? And they just keep going, chew and chew and chew and chew. But this is, it's this imagery of like really digging in, really chewing on that scripture. Lord, what are you saying to me in this? What are you saying to me? And then the third movement is this, prayer. And the question here is, what do I want to say to God? After, you know, asking what's it say, and Lord, what are you saying to me? What is our response to him? Maybe 
in thankful revelation or thankful of his revelation of that scripture or of just saying how good he is or still asking, God, I still don't get it. I need your help more. But prayer being the last one. And then the fourth and final movement of this is contemplation. And there's, there's no questions in this one. It's just resting in God's love. It's resting in what you read and what you feel like the Spirit of God telling you. No more questions are needed. You're just resting in that. And so if, if you're someone who struggles with having joy in their life or struggles with feeling the presence of God in their life or maybe even feeling that God exists, this is an exercise. This doesn't make you any better or less better than somebody. But if we're serious about our faith, if we're serious about wanting to seek God, like this is a, this is a great way to practice that, to be intentional with Scripture, to read it, to dig into it, to chew on it, and include God in it. God, what are you saying? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to see? And then expressing back our love for him in it. I know the thought of reading the Bible sometimes can feel like, like physical therapy, right? Debbie, we were just talking about physical therapy. I know it's good for me. I know I should do it. Do I really want to do it? Not really. But yet when I do it, what happens? feel better. Hey, wow, it actually worked. The thing the doctor told me to do that, you know, said would help, actually helped. Wow, imagine that. God's saying to seek me, and then if we actually seek him and like, give him our attention, give him our heart, like, oh man, like, he's actually speaking to me through his word. He's actually, he's seeming real in my life. Wait, what is this, what's this emotion of joy I'm feeling? Things aren't the greatest right now, but yet I have this sense of God's presence in my life. And then those things, the weight of those things now all of a sudden, like, aren't as big. And I can, I'm still kind of scared, but yet I have this joy. I have this peace in my life that doesn't make sense. I feel like that's been like the last three years of my life. Planning this church, <laughs> CR and Jason, I'm sure they're... We're, depending on the week, we're probably at different phases of joy and peace and anxiousness and fear and whatever. But like, I, I, could, I could just rest and saying, God, this makes me uncomfortable doing this church thing and being a pastor. I never thought I'd be a pastor. Like, this makes me uncomfortable. But yeah, somehow I'm still joyful of where you have me because I know you're in it. I, I know you're moving. I know your presence is with me. I know, I know that. I can rest in that. Is that where you are today? Are you lacking joy? As we said, it's only found through the presence of God in our lives, this fullness of joy. Seek him, learn about him. Because God only knows how we can experience true joy. Let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your presence in our lives. And I know there's probably some of us here today 
or some of us watching online that questions that presence. There's some of us that maybe question your existence. Maybe they question your goodness because life's been hard or things haven't turned out how they thought they would. God, I, I, I pray that each of us can take steps to learn more about you, to seek you, God. And that when we do that, when we, when we dig into your word, when we, when we include you, when we trust you, God, I thank you for your, your presence in our lives, your spirit in our lives. And the fact that we can, we can experience the fruits of your spirit in our lives, your love, your peace, your joy, and it's not dependent on my goodness. I thank you for that grace in our lives, Lord. I pray for everybody here and watching, Lord, that we would have a just undeniable joy this week that is rooted and rested and founded in your love and in your presence and in the recognition of who you are, God. And maybe it will even surprise us. I shouldn't feel this way, but yet I have joy because I believe in God and he is with me and he loves me. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done for us, your presence in our lives, your goodness. It's your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand and join us. We're going to continue singing and giving God our praise this morning. Let's worship. I spoke